Hey, thanks for tuning in into the City Life Church podcast. We are a church in San Francisco, and we exist so that people that are far from God, we encounter His presence and experience the life that only Christ offers. We pray that this word will challenge you and encourage you in your walk of faith with Jesus. Thank you for joining us today from all over the world. And we got friends that tune in from all over the place. So if you're in the Philippines, we send you our love. We love you. If you're down in Brazil, boa tarde. Deus abençoe você. To our friends in Ireland, what's going on, Jamie? God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. And I'm so excited to share the word today. Are you guys ready? I'm ready. I've been like carrying this word for a while, and I can't wait to preach and share what the Lord has placed in my heart. But if you are tuning in right now, watching us on YouTube, possibly Facebook, I want to encourage you, maybe jump over to our live platform. It would be live.citylifesf.com. There, you can actually interact with our team. We have an amazing lineup of hosts that are hosting today. We've got Hank helping us out. We've got Jen. We've got Angie. Pastor Lamia, our online campus pastor, is there as well. Shout out to all of you who are tuning in. I see you, uh, uh, Oscar. I see you, Josh. I see you, Nicole. Thank you guys for tuning in. There, you can actually check out the sermon notes. You can preach along with me and follow the notes that we've provided today. And I love to get some input from you as I preach. I love to hear some, some amens virtually. I love to see your hands being posted, little emojis. And uh, we believe that a quiet church is a dead church. And being that we're virtual, this is how you can preach with the preaching today. So be sure to jump in with me there. Hey, in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says this. He says, I came so that they can have real and eternal life. Life, more and better life than they've ever dreamed of. Jesus was speaking. He says, I came to give you life. Another verse says, life to the fullest. Another translation says, I came to give you abundant life. But have you noticed how so many people are only seemingly kind of getting through? They're only kind of getting by. They're just, they're, they're existing, but they don't seem to be thriving. Like they're not really living. Can you help me out right now in the chat box right there? Let me know. Why is it that so many people seem to only be getting by? Someone would like type, of course, COVID-19. Yes, for sure. But what are some other reasons? And everybody help me out throughout the room. Let me know. What are some reasons why people seem to only be existing in this life? There's a variety of different reasons, different pressures, different circumstances, different things. But let me know in, in the chat feature right there on our platform. Why is it that some people only seem to be getting by. They're just existing, but they're not living the abundant life that Jesus was talking about. I have different theories. I have different ideas, and I've been around the block for a minute already, so I have some some ideas as to why it is that people just seem to be like coasting through. They're not living the full life that God has purposed for them. So we have here, some people, Nicole is saying, for lack of vision. Some people are are looking at my notes and I already know what what I'm going to preach about. Go, Nicole. What are some other reasons? A lack of drive, a lack of motivation, uh, complacency is what Casey is saying. Thank you, Casey, for letting me know. Complacency, they've become lukewarm. Some people, uh, Beto Ramirez, he says, lack of faith. Thank you for sharing that, Beto. Others of you are saying the, the real life pressures. Thank you, Josh. Uh, Bibi is saying that they aren't looking for Jesus. That's true. They're not looking for Jesus. Perhaps they haven't met Jesus. Different ones of you guys. A lack of empathy and compassion sometimes. And others, different motivations. Thank you, Rachel, for sharing that. A a variety of different reasons. I jotted down a couple myself. Some people, they found themselves in the wrong career. They put a lot of time and energy, uh, education and investment. They went all in and they woke up, wake up one day going, 
What have I done? I hate my job. I hate what I'm doing. And they're just disillusioned, but now they're, they're all in. They have to kind of live through all that. Some people find themselves in, 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 in toxic relationships. It's like, this is not the abundant life. I thought I was going to, you know, uh, meet Prince Charming and, and I was going to live this life that was just so joyful for the rest of my life and life has been hell. Maybe you find yourself in that situation. Perhaps injustices. Maybe you've, you've been victimized by a variety of different things or people and you find yourself saying, life is just not fun. Maybe you've had a difficult family life. It's like you can choose your friends, but you didn't get to choose your family and you find yourself going, man, I come from all kinds of dysfunction and life is just not enjoyable. Maybe you've experienced all kinds of different pressures, perhaps even some maybe uh, health situations where you find yourself going, man, I'm not healthy like I used to be. So life has become very difficult for me. Maybe you've caught a few bad breaks. Things were going good and you weren't looking for trouble, but trouble found you out of nowhere. All of a sudden you, you, you found found find yourself in a difficult place going, what happened? Uh, maybe some poor choices. I know I've been uh, found guilty of that where you've made some poor choices and now you've got to live with those choices. Some people would say maybe because of evil in this world and sin and, and that's why so many people are under this pressure. I could go on and on and on talking about why it is that so many people feel, uh, seem to, to be discontent. They seem to just be kind of like zombies. They're just kind of existing in this world but they're not thriving. Can I tell you that that's not the purpose for why God placed us on this planet? You were not created to just survive this world, but you were created to thrive in this world. So the answer to the big question, and Nicole already jumped the gun and helped me out by saying this, listen, the reason that so many people struggle and they're only existing and not living is because they don't have clear vision, a lack of direction in their journey, a lack of purpose or meaning. When it comes to life, and Pastor Keys preached this a little bit last week, and he quoted from Jeremiah, excuse me, from Proverbs 29, verse 18. That verse says, it says, where there is no vision, people perish, people fail. And then he quoted Pastor Mike Todd, and he says, when people don't have a vision, they do dumb stuff. I like that version right there. That's my new favorite. When people don't have a clear sense of where they're going, they just do stupid things. Again, I'm, I've been guilty of that. When we don't have a clear target that we're shooting for, life becomes monotonous, mundane, boring. Imagine playing hoops. Imagine, Tommy, if you and I were shooting hoops and like, hey, let's, let's, let's ball. And we're bouncing the ball, but we don't have a hoop to shoot the ball through. You wouldn't be able to climb up there and dunk. Bring that ladder, climb up the ladder and dunk on me because I know you can't jump. But like me... Imagine if we had the ball. That's my nephew, ladies and gentlemen. I can make fun of him. He loves me. But imagine we're playing hoops and we're bouncing the ball and it's like, hey, there's no target to shoot for. There's nothing to aim for. Now we're just hanging out. I mean, I, I, I would enjoy kicking it with you, but if we're just bouncing the ball like that, that wouldn't be so fun. We need a purpose. We need a target. That's what we, we refer to as having vision. A people without a target, a people without a clear vision of where they're going, they make mistakes, they fail, then they find themselves miserable and frustrated, perhaps even stuck. And it's like, I'm going nowhere so fast. My wheels are spinning and I'm just, I just don't feel cool. People talk about the midlife crisis. I think I'm in my midlife, I'm in my 40s. I, I don't know that I had a midlife crisis uh, if you've been around the journey of faith for a while, you understand that life happens and crisis happens. They, all, they happen all the time. So I don't feel like I need to go and buy myself a Harley right now. You know what I'm saying? Or a brand new Corvette. If you do that, it's all good. It's cool. God bless you. But 
Why is it that people struggle? And the, the idea there is for a lack of vision. Vision. Vision comes from having a clear sense of purpose. The big question is, why am I here in the first place? Why am I here? Why did God create me? Why did he place me on this planet? Vision comes from understanding your purpose, that God designed you, that he placed a unique set of skills and abilities and talents and personality within you. You are uniquely made by God, and you have a mission to fulfill here on earth. Here's the big idea today, and that would be this. You were created with a purpose and for a purpose. I'll say that again. You were created with a purpose and for a purpose. You are not an accident. You aren't just something like circumstantial, like how did this happen? God designed you. The Bible says that he knew you from the foundations of the earth before the clock was even ticking. God knew you. He knew your name. He knew your destiny. And God didn't just come up with this idea like, oh, hey, Martha came around. So what are we going to do now, Holy Spirit? Like, what are the plans that we should like concoct and plan for her? No, God actually saw the need and said, you know what? The right person to meet that need and destiny is Martha. That's why I'm going to send her. That's why I'm going to bring her to this world. You were created with a purpose and for a purpose. And yet, so many people have never discovered their purpose in life. It's a tragedy. They're bankrupt because they don't have a vision. They don't understand. What's the meaning of my life? The two most important days of your life are these, the day that you were born and the day that you discovered why. The two most important days of your life. When people discover why they're here, it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a whole new ball game. It's a whole new reality. Jesus didn't come to help you just to get by or get through. He came to give you a life so that you'd be fully alive. We're not called to just exist or coexist. We're here to live and live an abundant life. We're called to live a life that is full, be fully alive. So this is where the message gets great. And this is the great part of the sermon. Check this out. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 22, verses 35 through 40. And this is what we call the great commandment. <laughs> See what I did there? The great message right here from the great commandment. Was that all right? The struggle is real. This is what Jesus says, and we got, you got these like spiritual leaders and they, they, they're like part of different political parties and they're always bickering, complaining. And, but Jesus, he's there, he's talking and they're like, you know what? Let's settle this with Jesus. And they're actually trying to trap him, trying to get him to say stuff that pleases their side of their theology. This is what it says in verse 35. One of the religion uh, scholars spoke for them, posing a question that they hope would show him up. Teacher, which command in God's law is the most important? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. This is the most important, the first on many lists, on any list, I should say. But there is a second to set alongside of it. Love others as well as you love yourself. And their minds, because he had just quoted the Old Testament, and like, oh, dang, dude, like that was a brilliant answer. I'm like, what are we going to do with that? He was brilliant because that statement alone, it covered all of the Ten Commandments. He says, what's the greatest commandment? Love God with everything in you and love other people. Go up vertical and go horizontal. Love God and love people just as you care about yourself. And that covers all the laws. Brilliant. It's the great commandment. We're called to love God and we're called to love people. And then look what Jesus says a couple chapters later. Matthew 28. So the previous passage was the great commandment. Now this is the great commission. 
Matthew 28, verse 18, it says this. Jesus, undeterred, he went right ahead and he gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. He says, go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all that I have commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this day after day after day, right up to the end of age. Another version says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, equipping them, helping them. And he says, understand this, I will be with you. As you go, I will be with you. This is referred to as the Great Commission. Now, who was Jesus talking to in this passage right here? He was speaking to his disciples, but not just those that were present, but those that would become his disciples as well. It's a commissioning that continues to be released and declared over all of us. When we come to realization that Jesus purchased our lives, he bought us with his life. He gave us life so that we could be born again into God. He paid the ultimate price. Therefore, he gave us a new meaning and a new purpose. We no longer live for ourselves, but now we live to fulfill his purpose. So that declaration and that commission, he says, go and make disciples. That is real for us today. 2,000 years later, we're saying, yes, sir. That's our call. That's our portion. Last year during COVID, I, I was listening to different preachers and teachers, and Dr. Nina Jones, she made a statement that rocked me to the core. See, the Holy Spirit had already been working in my heart. She had already, or the Holy Spirit had already been speaking different things, and he anointed her as she was teaching and sharing. She made this statement that just kind of like, I'm like, oh my gosh. And this is the statement that she said, she made. She said, too many pastors and leaders, they have become aquarium managers, it's time to go back to fishing. What does she mean by that? She says, too many churches, too many pastors and leaders, they love their fishbowl, they love their aquarium. Let's add some extra lights. Let's add some extra decor. Let's make sure that the water temperature is just right because we don't want the fish to become disturbed and unhappy. They might even jump this fishbowl and find another fishbowl. Come on, somebody. And we find ourselves so driven to maintain and manage what is comfortable and enjoyable and we forget that there are millions of people around us that don't know Jesus. And our calling in life is to go out and to reach people. And when she said those words, it's like, God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for our church. I'm like, Chelsea and the worship team is like, man, what an amazing worship team. We sense and experience the presence of God, and they're excellent. Our media team, killing it. We got a great crew and volunteers, and the building that we're, we're broadcasting from, this is a miracle. Like, we couldn't, we couldn't afford this place, but God miraculously blessed us, and I'm thankful. Our children's uh, uh, spot, I mean, phenomenal. I'm so thankful. We're so blessed, and I thank God for this, quote, aquarium. But our purpose is not just to have a great time in the aquarium. We were not designed just for this. We were actually designed to go and make disciples. And yet too many times we find ourselves so comfortable, like, man, I love this. And it's cool to enjoy the blessings of God, but this is not the final destination. The call to go isn't just a suggestion for us, y'all. The call to go, it's a commissioning. God said, through Jesus, send him out. 
We become the expression of God's love. We are the hands and the feet of Jesus. Everywhere we go, we are an extension of him. If we're all hanging out in the aquarium, the church alone, how are they going to find Jesus? How are they going to experience Jesus? But here's the deal. Here's the misconception. Many people think that to go and make disciples, it means that you, you have to know how to preach really good, that you have to evangelize real well. You got to understand the two spiritual laws. And maybe if you're a real zealot, you'll grab a milk carton and go and stand at the corner of 6th Street and Market here downtown and stand and say, repent, you sinners. That's not evangelism. Most definitely, it's not laced with love. That ain't good. It's hurting the team. It's hurting the cause. Come on, somebody. Amen. If you're doing that, stop. The idea of going is that God works with our unique personalities. The going is not just a destination. It's a lifestyle. The going is not just a missions trip to another country or signing up with Pastor Keys to do one of our outreaches. The going is your lifestyle. The world is your pulpit. The sphere that God's giving you, the people that you interact with, that is your platform. That is your, quote unquote, church building. That's where you broadcast the good news of Jesus to those that are around you, that are listening both to the spoken words and the life that you live. The going is every day. It's not just on Sunday. The going is how you live. Now, I love what Jesus uh, spoke to a few of his first disciples, Peter and Andrew, some brothers, they're fishers, they're, 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 they're fishing for fish. And in Matthew chapter four, it says this, he walks up to these dudes, they're cleaning their nets and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The first seven words alone could preach. First seven words, follow me and I will make you. So many of us, we are self-made individuals. We're working so hard to just reach a certain level and we're trying to accomplish certain things. But when it comes to this life, the one who is the originator, the one who has the blueprint, the one who is the master architect, he is the one that is building us. He says, follow me and I will make you what? To be fully complete in my purpose for you. And that is to live a greater cause of reaching people. Now, I love the choice of words that Jesus used because he says, listen, it's not that what you're doing is not good. But I'm going to use your passions, your tendencies, your talents, and your abilities. Rather than fishing for fish, I'm going to use you to fish for people and to impact people for eternity. God works with our personalities. He works with our hobbies. He works with how he's wired us. We all don't have to be the same way, talk the same way, walk the same way, impact people the same way. No, we're all unique. The Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So we go with our armor, we go with our personality, and we declare the goodness of God out loud everywhere we go. Jesus revealed to these guys their greater purpose, which was to impact lives. Jesus worked with their personalities. Peter, who was up and down, he's like a roller coaster ride. He'd have some good moments, and then he had some really bad boneheaded moments, right? But he worked with those passions, and he harnessed it, and he gave a reason and a purpose to Peter, who was just... Not that fishing fish isn't good, it's cool, but there was more to life. There was an upgrade. Years ago, I took a businessman with me to uh, India, and I've, I've had the privilege, there's a, there's a call in my life and upon our house to, to reach the nations, and I've, I've taken teams to many different countries for many years. About 20 years ago, the Lord opened doors to go to India, and shortly after, I started taking different teams. One of those trips, I took this business guy with me, and we spent like, like 12 days in India, and we had curry for breakfast, lunch, snack in the afternoon, dinner, and then like the fourth meal late at night. 
And I love curry, so I'm like, man, this is amazing. And we're eating with our hands. It's like, dude, I'm living the abundant life. Come on, somebody, let me know in the chat box how many of you love curry. What's your favorite kind of curry? The green curry, yellow curry, red curry, veggie curry. What kind of curry do you like? Let me know in the screen right there. And uh, my brother Tony, Pastor Tony, tuning in. I'm preaching. Thank you for preaching with me and all of our friends at All In Church. We love you in Orlando. But listen, I take this business guy with me to uh, India, and we're traveling from community to community, place to place, and we're preaching the good news, and thousands of people are getting saved, and thousands of people are getting set free from demons. Like if you never cast out a demon, go on a mission trip with us, and we'll help you. You lay hands on just about anybody. Brrr, they just go, go into these manifestations. And uh, this, this business guy, he and, he and his roommate, man, great stories, great prayer times. And uh, God was really moving powerfully upon him. Right at the end, man, we saw so many people get saved. And it was such a powerful time where we're getting ready to come back home. And we're looking out into this field. And there's thousands of people. And I turn to him. I go, wow, man, isn't it feel good to be used by God to, to just reach people with his love? And he's like with tears in his eyes, like, yeah. And I'm like, man. Would you ever consider coming back? Heck no. <laughs> and I'm like, I was puzzled a little bit. His greatest contribution wasn't actually grabbing a microphone and preaching to the thousands. What he did say, he says, I don't know that I will come back. I might. But what I want to do is through the, the talents that God has given me through my business, I want to help build many, many churches and you know what? His contribution, because of his faith and his generosity, it actually possibly has a longer lasting effect than even going for a weekend and preaching at that specific location. Because he could get up and grab a microphone and with an interpreter share something for 20 minutes, and maybe the seeds were planted in people's hearts, and that's good. But then we hop on a plane and we go back to America. But by sowing his, his, his financial gift, all of a sudden we're able to build churches there. And with pastors that we've already partnered with, all of a sudden that pastor and that team, they get to preach to that community every day of the week until Jesus comes back. So how is this business guy then impacting the world? Well, through the talents that God's given him. God's given him the ability in the entrepreneur world to, to generate resources, and he's using it and sowing it into the kingdom. He's making a difference. He's preaching through his talent. He's preaching through the giftings that God's given him. So understanding these two passages, both the great commandment and the great commission, what is our purpose in life then? Why has God placed us here? Those two those two scriptures right there, they give us the indicator. They tell us why we're here. Three easy thoughts to remember. The number one reason why you and I were created, number one, is to honor God. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with everything in you. If you love, the Bible says, if you love God, you will honor him. When we choose to place him at the highest place of priority in our lives, everything else, it becomes a joy. It's not just a sacrifice. God, I love honoring you. I love living for you. The great commission is, Love God. It starts with honoring him. Love God with a lifestyle of worship. I love the word glorify in scripture because the word glorify means to reflect the light, in this case the glory, back to God. He shines upon us and we get to reflect like the moon reflects the light that comes from the sun. We get to reflect the nature, the character, the goodness, the attributes of God back to him. It's not just singing worship songs. It's living a lifestyle of worship. So the number one reason why you and I were created was to honor God. The second thought would be, number two reason, to reach people. We're not here just to live for ourselves. We have a time, the clock is ticking, and we are here to reach people. There are billions of people on this planet 
that still don't know Jesus. And when it comes to our eternal purpose, we're going to honor God and we're going to love God for all of eternity. But when it comes to reaching people, the clock is ticking. And we have a limited amount of time. We've got a window of time and the clock continues to tick. Did you ever have one of those moments where you wish you could go back in time? Oh, yeah. oh man, like undo a few, few things that we did, like I, me all the time. I wish we could go back in time, but we can't. We live in the present, but we got a plan for the future. And our days, the Bible says they are numbered. They're preset by God. So if I'm here for just however many more years, then I'm going to live it to the fullest. And my goal and my mission is to honor God, but reach people. And I want to be able to stand before God someday and say, I used all my resources, everything that was within my reach, to make a difference in other people's lives. It doesn't matter how much money I accumulated, how many degrees I, I, I reached or accomplished. It does, none of those things really matter. The number of times I win the fantasy football league here at City Life Church, that's cool. But that's not eternal. Come on, somebody. What matters is how many people did I reach for Jesus? So your call and your purpose, honor God, reach people, love people by intentionally caring for them. Again, you don't have to preach a sermon. Just allow your life to reflect the love of God into their lives. Reach people with your gift mix, with your personality, with your skills, your talents. Use the platform that God's given you. And then the third purpose for us would be this. Number one was honor God. Number two, reach people. Number three, we're called to grow people. Now, what does that mean? The idea here is we're all growing and everyone needs a helping hand. Jesus says, go and make disciples. He didn't just say, hey, go and preach and tell them about me. He says, go and make disciples. And the word disciples, it might be a turnoff for some of us because it reminds us of the word discipline. Like, I don't like the word discipline. So words like disciple, discipline, discipleship. It's like, Ugh. but the reality is it's a goal for us to help others grow as they follow Jesus, so that they become fully alive in Jesus. It's not also just a suggestion, it's a commissioning. We are called to help others grow. So we reach them, but then we help them grow. A tragic thing about a lot of, a lot of teams that, that I would see that would travel to other countries, they would go and they wouldn't meet local ministry. So they would go and preach for two weeks and many people would come to Jesus and then folks would jump on a plane and bounce and come back home. What happens to the people that gave their lives to Jesus? Where is the family that they're going to be connected to in that country or that community? Where is the church that they're going to thrive in and grow and become disciples? So reaching people with the good news is great, but it's step one. The second step is now help them grow. Help them grow. Helping people become true disciples of Jesus. Our mission then, what is our mission in life? Our purpose is these three thoughts, honoring God, reaching people, and growing people. Our mission, let's talk about that. I met with our pastoral team back last year, sometime in the fall, and I said, guys, I feel like God is calling us to go back to our Genesis. And I'm not talking about the car I used to drive, but the origin of how we started our church. Go back to the beginning. Elaine and I, many years ago, God dropped this burden in our hearts to, to, to win young people as we were youth pastors. And we developed a, a whole curriculum on discipleship. And it was pretty radical. I heard many pastors and youth pastors say, bro, that's like way too, way too intense. Too much commitment. Too much expectation of these young people. Their lives are busy. And I'm like, yeah, but my Bible says that I'm called to go make disciples. And I went against their advice and their counsel. They thought it wasn't going to be cool. But Elaine and I started like loving on these young people. And we say, hey, Justice, I want to help you grow so that you can help other people grow. And next thing you know, Justice then is now helping other people grow. And at the age of 14, all of a sudden he becomes a leader. 
And this began to grow. And all of a sudden, we had a group of young leaders who started discipling younger leaders. And next they know they're on fire for Jesus. They're reading their Bible. They're praying. They're fasting. Come on, somebody. Their parents are coming back to me saying, I don't know how much I owe you, but thank you. And they're, give, they're wanting to give me offerings because we fixed their kids. We didn't fix their kids. We just revealed purpose. They were designed to be disciples of Jesus. They hadn't been living a full life, but as they, they became disciples of Jesus and they began to help others grow, they found a sense of fulfillment. Like my life and my choices, they have a consequence. I'm being reminded of my mistakes all the time, but when I'm actually helping somebody else, it gives me a sense of fulfillment like I've never experienced before. And they realize my life is not about just me. It's about how can I make a difference in someone else's life? And I told our pastoral team, I'm like, man, I love our church. I love what God is doing and the influence that he's given us here in the city and beyond. But we got to go back to the drawing board. I love, I love what the church is doing. We're doing amazing outreaches and I love our team. But we've been slacking off on making true disciples. And I said, guys, I, I'm wrestling with this. And they said, what do you feel like God is saying? He, the word was simple. Reach people and make disciples. I said, I said, I, said, I told him, I said, for 2021 and then beyond, I feel like we need to go back to the basics. I appreciate everything else, but if we don't make disciples, we've missed our call. For our church, I mean, I love you, and we love to have fun and play and do all kinds of stuff, but if we're not intentional in making disciples, see, it's easy to become just a believer. That's easy. Being a disciple, Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to pick up your cross daily and follow me. It's a daily commitment. It means that there's a daily death. Something is dying every day. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, something is having to die. It's not comfortable. And that's why so many people drift. They might be fired up for God for a while, but then they drift. Listen, we can't drift. So our team, we began to strategize and talk. And the great prophet, my dad, <laughs> reached out one day to me and he says, Hey, I believe I got a prophetic word for you in the church. Can we set a time to connect? I'm like, oh my gosh, absolutely, Dad. I'll cancel my appointments this afternoon. We ended up connecting the next day. Hop on Zoom. We start talking, and I'm ready. I'm like, I'm going to record this. I'm ready, Dad. I'm leaning in. Okay, bring it. And he says, God says, make disciples. <laughs> and I'm ready. I'm waiting for the rest of the word. And then he's like, that's it. <laughs> I'm like, and I'm like, yay, the Lord says. Like, no, it was like, God says, make disciples. And in my spirit, there was a resounding, yes, God, I, I get what you're saying. And talking to our team, our whole team, our whole pastoral team, like, you know what? That's exactly it. We love what God's done thus far, but we're not going to overlook this basic thing. We're called to reach people and we're called to help them grow. We're going to help them grow. Our commitment to you as a church family, listen. We've got so many resources, but our, we would be doing you a disservice if we weren't challenging you and nudging you to grow. We're going to help you. Our commitment as we move forward, if you're part of this house, if you're part of this community that God's connected you to, moving forward, the days of just kind of being passive and just kind of waving you off from a distance, those days are behind us. We are fully committed to helping you grow in your faith. And if you start drifting, we're going to love you enough to say, hey, you're drifting. Come on, let's get it on. Let's, let's move forward. Let's move with purpose. Let's grow together. And the idea is as you grow, then it's your commissioning to help others grow as well. I'm excited because next Sunday, Pastor David and our pastoral team, they're going to actually expound on this message today. And they're going to talk about how do we grow? 
and how do we help others grow as well. And we're developing a whole, a whole uh, system, if you will, for our church family, everyone connected, so that you're not just a spectator hanging out, watching from the comfort of your home, but how can you two be locked in where you're growing, where you're thriving, and people around you are also being challenged, and they're growing and thriving. As I wrap up this talk today, this, this message, I've always felt this conviction like, man, it's not good enough just to get someone jump-started in their journey. I need to help them become fully alive, fully equipped, fully empowered to meet their God-given destiny. And I heard a friend of mine not too long ago share this analogy, and it just so resonated with me. He says, imagine, imagine if you go to a car maker like a Ford company in Detroit or something, and they have the assembly line. Have you guys ever watched that on TV or documentary or something? And back in the day, they would like make one car at a time and it would take hours. And then Ford, Mr. Ford himself, he developed a moving assembly line. I think it was back in early 1900s, 1913 or something, I forget. And the idea was as the car is moving, different ones are placing different parts. So here goes the doors, here goes the windshield, the engine was placed on the chassis. And by the end of this assembly line, there's a fully assembled car that rolls off the lot, so to speak. And the imagery that I got is people being like cars, where they get saved. And it's like, look at the chassis. That's awesome. But they start living life. And some people, they don't have the headlights. So they're constantly living in the dark. They don't have a sense of purpose or direction. They love Jesus, but they just don't know where they're going. Or maybe some people are like, dude, that, you got such great potential. Look at the engine. But they have no tires, no wheels. So that they got great potential. Uh, potential, but they're going nowhere. They're stuck. I don't know if you've ever felt like you were stuck, but they're stuck. They're going nowhere. Some people, it's like, dude, they got a fast engine. They got no brakes. So they're living a reckless life. They keep crashing everywhere. And their life is always like spinning. And it's like, man, you look great. You got great potential, great anointing, but where are the brakes? And I could go on and on and on with the analogies. But the idea, and I love what my, my friend said, the goal for a disciple is to be fully assembled, is where we're growing and God continues to add so that we become fully mature in Christ, not lacking anything, as it says in James chapter 1. Consider pure joy, he says, when you face tests. Why? Because it's developing something in you. It's growing you, growing you so that you will be mature, full, complete. Listen, church family, we love you. And our team, we are here to come alongside of you, to help equip you, to help encourage you, to help you reach that place of, 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 of being full and complete, living a full life in Jesus. That's our commitment to you. We want to cheer you on, but not just that. We want to help you grow. And one of the telltale signs of a true disciple of Jesus is a disciple always makes disciples. If you are a, disciple, a, a true disciple of Jesus, that means that you're not living just for yourself and your own growth. You're actually living to help someone else grow themselves. I want to pray for you today, and I want you to re be reminded of this. Our commandment, our commission, our instruction is this. We're called to reach more people, and we're called to grow people more. I want to see more people reach for Jesus this year through our online broadcast, through our one-on-one -on -one interactions, our dream as a team. We want to see more people. We want to see it become more difficult for people to go to hell on our watch. We want to see people impacted with the good news of Jesus. Jesus changes people's lives. Jesus is the one that brings transformation. So we live boldly. We live to broadcast the good news of God 24-7. And in doing so, we want to help people grow more. Maybe you've already been a seasoned Christian and you've lived this, this journey of faith for a while. Awesome. 
Let's help you grow even more. And let's help you become a great disciple maker. I want to close out with this prayer. And I want to, I want to believe that the Holy Spirit is going to grip your heart even as he's gripped my heart. We're not here to just coexist. We're here to live life and life to the fullest. Our commitment to you is to help you become fully alive in Jesus. Let me pray for you. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you for a, a new season, a season of new beginnings. And God, we're going back to the basics. This isn't rocket science. This is not just a new theology. God, this is from the core of gospels. God, you called us to make disciples. You called us to go and to help people grow. So God, give us the courage, Lord, to assess our own lives, to realize where we're at in this journey, to not live the game of regret and play those things in our minds over and over. But God, help us to clear the slate, clear the palette, and move forward with purpose. God, you designed us to honor you. You designed us to be those that would reach others, and you designed us to be those that would help others grow. God, I pray that you would grip all of our hearts, that we would come into alignment with your will. I speak a blessing over your people today in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said amen and amen. Hey, we love you, City Life Church. I'm turning it over to Pastor Isaac. God bless you.